Hello and welcome to the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Hardis, and today we are continuing our team and division preview series with a look at the NFC West, Cardinals, Rams, Seahawks, 49ers, my oh my people, what a division, as always. Andrew Erickson is here, who you can find on Twitter at Andrew Erickson underscore, correct? I think I got that right. And uh, yeah, you hear me every Wednesday. So Andrew, what's going on, man? Hey, it's only been like a year since we've been doing podcasts. Glad you still got the Twitter handle. I'm excited to be here. Training camp is here. And yeah, this is just awesome. Fantasy football. Let's go. I'm not going to lie, Andrew. I'm honestly just still reveling in a personal triumph I had last night. I've said this before, you know, it's Olympic spirits. And if I had to pick one sport that I think, you know, quote unquote sport that I would be the best in the world in, it's fly swatting. I am truly just spectacular at the game of fly swatting. I never use electric, electric fly swatters. Like, get that out of here. I understand if you don't have a magazine, but just give me a regular old fashioned fly swatter. Those things will be afraid. Last night, it was on the cabinet. I hit the fly into the fire that was making corn on the cob and the fly disintegrated. First shot, first kill into the flames. That's 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 gold medal worthy. Sounds like to me. All right. So now that I made sure everyone realized that we can get right into it, starting with the Arizona Cardinals and NFC West. Andrew, what's your defining question for the 2021 Arizona Cardinals? Is the new and improved Chase Edmonds, who has reportedly slimmed down and also bulked up at the same time, is he the running back to own here or is it James Conner? Because I think that's the big question mark with this Arizona Cardinals offense is trying to figure out which of these running backs we want because we know this is an offense that's going to help produce a fantasy-friendly running back. Now, Kenyon Drake, amid all of his problems last year, was a top 15 running back when the season was all said and done because he had a lot of opportunities to score because this is a high fast paced offense that we want parts of so for me i was firmly on the connor side because of the opportunities at the goal line that's what i was really kind of honing in on but then as i looked more towards things i was i i started to think you know what if connor's just not as explosive as edmonds maybe just doesn't have as much juice as edmonds does and edmonds has reached a point in drafts where he's not expensive at all like he's still a value where he's going even with connor going a couple rounds later edmonds you can get in round seven and I think that based on his finish last year as RB25, they got rid of Kenyon Drake. He's going as like the RB28. So I think at worst case, okay, you have like a running back in a change of pace role that catches passes out of the backfield that can occasionally hit big plays. Okay. And best case scenario is like, oh my God, like we have the starting running back for the Arizona Cardinals top five offense who is going to frequently run into light boxes because that's what happened last year. The Arizona Cardinals run rate was fourth in the league in terms of running into boxes with less than eight guys because Kyler Murray, that's the effect that he offers to the offense. So for me, I'm kind of back in on Edmonds, number one, first down conversion rate last year. So yeah, I'm going to go with Chase Edmonds. Yeah, I feel like uh, the market's kind of corrected itself on him before when he was going right around that RB20 range. No, I didn't want to take that leap of faith. But yeah, to your point, down in the later 20s, absolutely, people. We've been talking about, you know, the RB dead zone throughout the summer. But when everyone starts finally taking the wide receivers where they should be, that's when these running backs get back to being uh, values. And yeah, with Connor, I mean, he it will probably get the majority of the goal line work. You know, he is PFS number one graded rusher inside the five-yard line among 38 
qualified backs since 2017, fourth in touchdown conversion rate, first in first down or touchdown rate. He's great at that. He's also only being paid $1.75 million to come to Arizona on a one-year deal to be the backup for Chase Edmonds. So it's not like a Kenyon Drake situation where they're actually giving this guy a decent chunk of cash to come in. It's not even a Mike Davis situation where they're coming into just a completely empty backfield. Edmonds last year, I mean, even if, again, he wasn't trusted inside, you know, the five-yard line, still someone that when they have, you know, lost Kenyon Drake or even before him, David Johnson for games, we've seen them give him legit 90% plus snap rates. And he has, to your point, already been a solid borderline RB2, even when he wasn't the starting running back. So I am with you there, Andrew. Chase Edmonds, someone that is now a value. I don't think he was earlier in the offseason. I think, I think too, with Edmonds, just one last point on him. So a lot of the reason we point to his lack of goal line carries as a reason to kind of favor towards Connor, especially because how good Connor's been working as a goal line back. But at the same time, you look at Edmonds, he had the 10 receptions inside the red zone last season yeah. because they do trust him in that capacity. So it's not a thing of where, oh, no, we can't trust Chase Edmonds to touch the ball anywhere near the goal line. Like he has to score these 30 yard out touchdowns. It's just they've used him in a different role. So, look, we could be wrong about Connor getting the goal line touches. And in that case, it's like, oh, man, Yahtzee with Chase Edmonds, <laughs> who you got in, you know, round seven, round eight. All good points. Yeah, I mean, look, Edmonds only has one career carry inside the five-yard line, but Austin Eckler only had two last year. It's okay. Coaches can change their mind as the personnel changes. Not illegal in the year 2021. Andrew, most underutilized player on the Arizona Cardinals. Christian Kirk, Andy Isabella, like any of these other like second-round ride receivers that just haven't gotten any usage because of the way that Cliff, Kings, Cliff Kingsbury has deployed them. Like, look, Christian Kirk came into the league, slot receiver, Literally, he's not been playing the slot at all. They've been putting him out on the outside where he basically has just been running the wind sprints. Like he hasn't been used in any way, shape or form. Last year, he had the third lowest target rate per route run, 14%. And I think that's what AJ Green is kind of going to run into this year. Like playing opposite DeAndre Hopkins on the other side where you have all these slot receivers in a horizontal rate offense is not ideal. Like AJ Green could be top 10 in routes run like next year. Don't care. Because the other opposite receiver on the perimeter has not been a role that you wanted to use. It's been Isabella at points. It's been Christian Kirk at points. And that's why they've been really underutilized. So if they get moved inside, like that's where we've seen the targets go in this offense other than DeAndre Hopkins. So hopefully those guys can get some more targets this year. Here's the ter most terrifying quote of the offseason, arguably, from Cliff Kingsbury. And it was after they drafted Rondale Moore. I thought we were going to have a great competition before this pick. You got DeAndre. You got AJ. Then you got some younger guys that are kind of all battling it out. This guy Moore jumps right into the middle of it in that group. The good thing is we believe all of them can play and start and contribute at a high level. Competition only makes that room that much better. Why does AJ get the nod over Rondale, over Isabella, over Christian Kirk? Come on, man. But again, Andrew, it doesn't matter what we think they should be doing at wide receiver. Matters what Cliff is going to do. And it certainly looks like, man, at least Isabella and Kirk are going to be left out. I'm just worried Rondale Moore gets le left out. It shouldn't be the case. I mean, Arizona over the past Last two years, league high 17.7% screen rate, like you said, horizontal rate offense, 200 total screens or 36 more, the next closest team. I don't see any reason why they can't throw Rondale 60, 70 screens this year, like give him all the Chase Edmonds work. I'm just not sure if they're going to. If I told you a target total of 50 for Rondale more this year, would you take the over or under? I would take the over just because there's an extra game. And yeah. because the Cardinals run so many damn plays that I'll, I'll lean towards the over, but 
I don't feel great about it with Cliff Kingsbury taking the under for sure. Here's to hoping that can get doubled. Again, my favorite comp of the entire NFL draft season, PFF's own Austin Gale, Rondale Moore being Julio Jones trapped in Cole Beasley's body. Now, Andrew, favorite fantasy value pick and why is it? Honestly, like you said it before, I think it's like either running back at this point. They're both going at a pretty good spot. Yeah, I think really you can't go wrong with either running back again, but I still lean towards Chase Edmonds because we talked about it at the top. He just offers more upside explosiveness like James Conner is not going to come in and, and become an RB1. I think that those days are kind of over. You're looking for him to be the goal line back. And that's potentially not even like a necessarily a massive role because Kyler Murray is also a threat to work in as a goal line runner himself. So you could be left with Conner who just sees like five, 10 touches a game and doesn't score nearly as often as you'd hoped. And it's Chase Edmonds that's actually getting more of the explosive runs, getting more opportunities around the goal line in the passing game. So I think Chase Edmonds, again, is the value. And then Rondo Moore, like you mentioned, the fit does seem like it would work because of how many screens that they run in this offense. You look at the way Rondo Moore was used. He was a PPR machine. You know, last year he had more catches per game than any other player in the class. It was over 11. Again, he only played a couple, a handful of games, but he fits this offense really well. And we're just hoping that they post him up in the slot where he can thrive and just get peppered with targets from Kyler Murray. But Cliff Kingsbury definitely leaves us some question marks. Please, please, Cliff. By the way, people, Chase Edmonds, eight, eight career games with 50% snap rate or higher. Performances, RB1, RB5, RB14, RB19, RB21, RB30, just two duds at RB40 and RB54. So really, another example of a guy being drafted closer to his floor than his ceiling. Always trying to jump on that. Andrew, our wild card scenario, I think we both know what it is. It's more of like a doomsday scenario. It's AJ Green becomes way too involved in this passing game and is legit getting 100 plus targets i'm not overly concerned about it i think i think you're on it where hopkins will just kind of be the overall alpha but i will say as cheap as aj green is i know he's on our ages list i know we can't you know do it he is someone that does strike you as hey if he's going to be the actual number two wide receiver on the arizona cardinals he's going to outperform where he's going the question is you know do we really want the wide receiver 50 who's going as a wide receiver 70 I think you hit the nail on the head, and I, the answer to that is no. I just, I just don't see the upside with going after AJ Green. Like he's just past his prime at this point. Like chasing after these older players because of how they did in 2018. Again, we still do this. Like I hear the puff pieces about Josh, Josh Gordon since 2013. Like yes, he was tantalizing in that year. AJ Green was elite in 2018, but that year is long gone. It's 2021. Get with the times. I can't get behind AJ Green, even though this offense is it should be producing multiple fantasy assets. If you look at how fast they go up tempo pace, number one in the NFL in 2020, fourth in place per game. So you'd think that there'd be more to offer and there should be. But I just don't think that it's worth going after AJ Green. I'd rather take the shots on Rondo Moore, even on a Christian Kirk. Again, like I said, if they move him inside, like that's where he could potentially thrive. And, you know, he goes a round or two earlier than AJ Green. I'll just go with Kirk. Yeah, and honestly, I think Kirk has even proven that he can play on the outside. It's not even so much about that. It's about them just not really feeding him as many targets as we would like to see. As always, people, the volume just tends to trump overall talent in fantasy football land. Andrew, we got the over-under set at 8.5, slight minus 120 lean on the over. What are you feeling here? I'm going to go with the under, unfortunately. Ooh. I don't like doing this because I like Kyler in year three. I think that he can really take another step forward but they just play in the best division in the NFL. Like you look at all the totals and I'm like, okay, sick. Like 
are all these teams going to win double digits? Is that like what's going to happen here? And, and that's really the only problem is it's just too high for me with all these other teams that I, I just don't think are going to probably end up winning more games just because I think that they all have good, decent quarterback play for the most part, you know, more complete teams. And then you obviously have the coach as well. That makes a big difference in total wins and losses. Yeah, I do lean the over, but you're right, man. It's just this division. And as much as I would want this defense to take a step forward, they're getting Chandler Jones back. Obviously, we got J.J. Watt, you know, Isaiah Simmons year two. The front seven is great. My goodness, would it have killed these guys to take a cornerback at some point throughout this offseason? Yeah. Right now, we got Malcolm Butler, Robert Alford, you know, Marco Wallace. Like, I, I know Buda Baker's amazing, man, but he can't solve it all back there. Byron Murphy should be the nickelback. It's just not looking all that great on defense. I do think there's some post-high potential uh though because you know the cardinals much like the browns man i, I love this kind of narrative we have going on here because the browns 2018 number one overall pick ton of hype in 2019 kind of overshadowed the holes they had in the o-line the defense 2020 nice post-hype year cardinals 2019 number one overall pick oh and david mentioned going in the second year we got beckham the high price wide receiver came in hopkins the high price wide receiver came in the second year kyler rising second year good not great probably wasn't quite as disappointing as the browns was but then coming this next year, they did help fill up the de defensive line, a little bit of offensive line help as well. I will take a slight over. I'm not really expecting them to be true competitors, but hey, there's a non-zero percent chance, man, that Kyler Murray just ends up emerging as the best, you know, maybe not the best quarterback in this division. I don't want to take too much away from Russell Wilson, but maybe for 17 games, he could mess around enough to be up there. Certainly in their range of outcomes, I will take the slight over there. Did you have the over under at eight and a half or eight? Eight and a half. Yeah. See, I had over on eight, and then I was like, oh, wait, no, it's eight and a half. I got to go under. <laughs> Their expected wins last year were already nine anyway, just based on points. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. All right, moving on. We've got the Los Angeles Rams. Andrew, It's they've been all over the news recently. It made it for one hell of a, what was it, Monday for us here on uh, Fantasy Football Twitter. Unfortunately, Cam Akers with the Achilles injury will be out for the duration of 2021. We know the defining question is, Andrew, will Daryl Henderson be the man or is it a trap? It's kind of a mix of both, depending on where we're at when you draft. Because right now, it looks like it's wheels up, like he's going to be the main guy, which I believe to an extent. I don't really think that a lot of those other running backs in the death chart. Look, Xavier Jones has kind of gotten the most hype as a potential player to work in with Daryl Henderson. But at the same time, like both of these guys are more like change of pace backs. Like that's really what they are. They don't, neither of them are like really like powerful runners. So I would envision them adding some type of other running back into the fold at some point. Like, of course, they're not going to add a running back. Now they want to see what these other guys can do through training camp and through these preseason games. Like don't waste reps on a veteran player that doesn't need them necessarily. Like these players need reps. Like if they're going to be significant contributors during the actual season. So I understand like they're the Rams why saying all the same things and that makes a lot of sense, but it's really about the price and where Henderson's ADP kind of settles in. Cause I don't believe that he's going to be like this 20 touch per game guy. Like they're already talking about like locking him in the chamber to make sure he doesn't get hurt before <laughs> the season starts. Like, yes, that's good. Like, but that's not like an envision of, okay, like we just want to like bury this guy in the ground. So we're just going to lock him in. So we can't touch the ball. Like he's going to see a healthy workload He's going to see opportunities in the passing game. He's going to see goal line touches like those are all really good things. But I don't think he's going to necessarily be like a top 12 back or anything like that unless he scores an, a boatload of touchdowns. I think that's really the only way. But at the right price, like I have him as a, you know, in the RB 17, I think is where I ended up ranking him. But as a back end RB two, I think is appropriate where he's priced. And but I, I still might want to wait and see if they add another running back and then maybe buy the dip for that player.
I expect it to be lower on Henderson than most. I have him as my RB20, so a little bit lower than you, but pretty much in that same kind of range of guys. Right now, underdog fantasy, and I'm pretty sure like they, they do a pretty good job of adjusting their ADPs like quickly after this. Like We're not seeing Cam Akers, obviously, in there anymore. Henderson's going as the RB29 behind Damon Harris, Chase Edmonds, Trey Sermon, just ahead of Raheem Mostert, Michael Carter, James Robinson, Ronald Jones. I'll absolutely take him at that spot, man. There's no question about it because, yeah, to your point, even if they end up adding somebody, Henderson should be the favorite no matter who they add further early down in the goal line work. And last year, Akers didn't even play more than 33% of the offensive snaps until week 13. From weeks one to weeks 13, Henderson was the RB29. So, like, that's already where he's being valued at. I mean, in that stretch, he was the RB29. Malcolm Brown was the RB35. If you combine them, you got the RB4. So, that really is his ceiling. It's what we were hoping Cam Akers was going to get as the featured RB1 in the Rams' backfield. I think Akers is a better real-life back than Henderson. That's why we were projecting him to win the job. But... Akers is gone. So that's, you know, objectively fantastic for Henderson. Some people, you know, going with the top 10 projections, I just think it's a little risky because there's no other backfield right now that we expect to add, you know, a bigger name than the Rams potentially could. Maybe McVay calls CJ Anderson three days before the season starts. Like, we don't exactly know the timeline on that. Fingers crossed. I'm knocking on wood. I'm sorry for even putting that horrendous thought out there in the universe. But yeah, I mean, at a minimum, we should be projecting him to lead this backfield in touches. It's an offense that I think a lot of us are expecting get back into the top 12 good things happen when you have a high scoring offense with a lead, the established lead back that's daryl henderson the year 2021 now andrew most underutilized player going to 2021 i'm gonna go with the duo the rams top wide receivers robert woods and cooper cup because they have been pigeonholed into being these safe wide receiver two fantasy options because of freaking jared goff and <laughs> they haven't been able to get this fantasy ceiling that all these other receivers have because their quarterback basically number one couldn't throw downfield and number two never threw the ball into the end zone so the rams offense last year ranked 31st in end zone pass attempts which makes it really really hard for players to hit their ceilings without touchdowns like because that's ultimately what shifts a lot of these players in terms of their fantasy production is the big weeks the big spike weeks from touchdown you know and that's why Matthew Stafford being injected in his offense is so good for both of Woods and Cooper Cup. At least specifically one of them, I think, is going to just have an above a wide receiver one type season. Again, just a matter of figuring out which one of them is because they are used very evenly in terms of like target share, in terms of how much they're used in the offense. So again, Stafford, second in pass play percentage over 20 yards and average depth of target since the start of 2019. Goff, 31st in, in 20 yard pass percentage play. 52nd out of 60 qualifying quarterbacks in average depth of target. So the upside is just sky high for Woods and Cooper Cup attached to Matthew Stafford, which just wasn't before with Jared Goff. And if I'm going to place a bet on one of them, I think it's Cooper Cup for me because look at last year, he was one of only two players that have at least 950 receiving yards and not score at least four touchdowns. I think he believed he had like two. Like he did not score. And the, the touchdowns were not there for him at all. And Robert Woods has really never been a touchdown receiver. So 2019 Cooper Cup, wide receiver four overall. He had 10 touchdowns that year. So Cooper Cup goes a little bit after Robert Woods. So I think I'll scoop up the value with Cup a little bit later on, unless I'm drafting both, which I honestly am not opposed to doing either. 
Draft them both is fine. I believe I have them right next to each other. I do give Woods the small edge because he has 62 career rush attempts with the Rams. Cooper Cup only has 10. I'm not exact like maybe without Acres they actually do like use both guys more in the jet sweep game. It's not like Woods is getting like true running back usage like a Curtis Samuel or anything like that. But for whatever reason they've shown you know more of a just desire to feed him the ball in the run game. Perhaps we see Cup get more involved. But yeah, either way, I think the lesson bump these guys up because I mean yeah, Stafford and company probably. I got to lean more on the passing game without, you know, our three down stud Cam Akers in the fold. I want to highlight Tyler Higby real quick because this dude has averaged. He averaged more yards per catch and yards per target in 2020 than in 2019. The problem, he had 60 targets in 15 games instead of 89. He burned everyone that was drafting. He was like the tight end six after that awesome stretch run he had. And I'm not like, I just, it's been more in Dynasty, I think, because on underdog, he's like, you know, tight end seven. He's going pretty high. But in Dynasty land, I keep seeing this dude just last like well outside the top 12 even 15 tight ends sometime and like people Higby is a beast he's sixth in PFF receiving grade among 74 qualified guys over the past two years tied for 22nd tied for 22nd yards per catch tied for 14th in yards after the catch per reception and sixth in yards per out run Gerald Everett was the problem when Gerald Everett was out of the picture this dude was like rewriting the record book in terms of what we were seeing from a single game the quarterback situation is upgraded yeah we have Jacob Harris a converted wide receiver that will get some action He's still a fourth-round rookie tight end. That is not a problem when trying to project Higby to be the number one guy in this offense, which he already is. So Tyler Higby, man, when I have been, you know, dabbling in that kind of middle tier of tight ends, I know we stay away from a lot. It's usually for him. Yeah, Tyler Higby is definitely someone that I'm much lower than, on than everybody else. It seems like, and, and that's fine. I just. I just look at his usage as a blocker and that's what concerns me because he blocked a ton last year and that's part of the reason why he didn't see as much targets in, in the passing game. His target rate per route one went down significantly and again, it's just we're working with small sample size. So it's a five game stretch where Everett has not played. Even last year, the one game Everett didn't play, Higby caught three three touchdowns. So of course, it's like all it's all pointing there, but it's like, you know, what if Everett what if they'd switch? You know, what if Higby had gotten hurt during that stretch and Everett was the one that blew up? And now Everett's looking like a potential number three receiver on the offense with Shane Waldron. I don't know. I got question marks about Higby, and I think I just like Everett better. But we'll I think see. both of them. Both of them could be tight end ones this year. Together, no. Apart, maybe people. Andrew, do you have a favorite fantasy value pick? Because I literally just wrote like IDK on this one. I think we the <laughs> offense is going through Henderson, Cup, Woods. We can talk about Higby. Otherwise, it seems like we're going to get a bunch of rotating parts. Maybe something clears out with the inevitable Deshaun Jackson injury. I mean, Tutu Atwell doesn't seem to be healthy at the moment. But it's just crowded, man. I'm not sure if there's someone we can really even get behind. But gun to your head, who would it be? So for me, it's Van Jefferson. And I think that's because we're going to see the Rams, or at least is what I believe based on the personnel that they have. Look, they brought in like a lot of wide receivers. So for me, it's telling me, and they, and they haven't really addressed the tight end. They never really replaced Gerald Everett. Like you mentioned, Harris, they have Bryson Hopkins there. So this doesn't scream like an offense, like, all right, 12 personnel, like, let's do it. Like this screams like, hey, we're going back to the 11 personnel, like 90% of the time, like we saw with Sean McVay in the years past. So that means Robert Woods, that means Cooper Cup, and that means one of Van Jefferson, Deshaun Jackson, and Tutu Atwell is going to be involved a lot more than maybe we're all anticipating. Now, it could be a rotation at some point, but look, Atwell is really more of a gadget player, and I think that he's actually a candidate to potentially like see some of those rushing attempts that you talked about with Robert Woods. Yeah. Deshaun Jackson, 
he could definitely start the year and just be on fire and then just get hurt because that's kind of what his, his claim to fame has been. And that's why I think that you draft Deshaun Jackson, you play him week one because he always blows up and then you just trade him because it's probably going to be week one or bust. So that leaves Van Jefferson as somebody that I really like long term throughout the season against single coverage last year he was 94th percentile among wide receivers gaining separation on at least 70 percent of his targets and this was on the outside he was not playing in the slot so and, and he's really more of the profile of a downfield threat when he filled in at the end of the year for josh reynolds uh that's when he was used in the last two games that the rams had played and josh reynolds led the team in air yard share and deep target share a season ago so i like van jefferson as a late round dart throw because you know we could finish week one and we could say oh wow van jefferson played 90 percent of the snaps and ran 45 routes along with <laughs> cooper cup and robert wood so i think there's an opportunity for him at a minimum van should be the favorite to you know be number three in this offense and snaps among the wide receivers as you said the djax injury concerns and you know the fact tutu atwell at some point in the past 12 months weighed 149 pounds i don't care that he improved on it like that we're drawing the line there at 150 like that is the line you know we've talked about not worrying about that for Devonte smith 150 150 pounds that's our line pff fantasy football weight limit 150 or weight minimum 150 pounds to get on this ride so yeah i mean van again i don't see the huge ceiling necessarily this year but if it is going to go right for one of them it would be him you know i and one interesting note both uh tutu and van were the, exactly the 57th overall pick in the draft so no one has a higher draft capital than the other van certainly seems like the more established guy andrew what is your wild card scenario here and why is it matthew stafford just going absolutely bonkers in this new offense it is not Matthew Stafford oh. going absolutely bonkers in this. i think that that's definitely in the range of outcomes again he's got really good receivers and sean mcveigh is a a wizard that some people would say again I think <laughs> coaches sometimes get tend to be puffed up a little bit more than they should but my wild card is uh, Adrian Peterson yeah I think that Adrian Whoa. Peterson is the running back that they lock into they sign him September 1st before the season starts and the reason I'm using Peterson as my example of a veteran being signed is he has a connection with the Rams offensive coordinator Kevin O'Connell spent time with the Washington football team in 2019 again Kevin O'Connell is the offensive coordinator by by title again it, it's still McVay's offense but O'Connell called upon Adrian Peterson in 2019, rushed for 1,000 yards in that year. And I think that he provides kind of that power type of running back that they need to complement Terrell Henderson. So Gosh. look out for Adrian Peterson. If he's sitting on waiver wires, maybe worth a dart throw in a 20th round of a best ball. <laughs> the, <laughs> what, a, what a boost of confidence there at the, at the end. Adrian Peterson, 20th round best ball pick. Can't miss it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's not a bad pick uh, by any stretch of the imagination. I kind of think they might go scat back. I think I'm just hoping my guy Duke Johnson becomes less uh, free than he is right now. But well, I think that's important to kind of like note, like what type of back, if they do sign yeah. somebody, then we can kind of figure out more what how they use Henderson. Because if they bring in Duke Johnson, it's like, okay, sick. Like, Henderson, we got early down work. We got goal line work. Like, that's locked and loaded. Whereas if they Peterson, yeah. Yeah. Not great, everyone, but yes, on my Stafford point, just want to say a certain quarterback that's been on the news a lot, Aaron Rodgers, said this about Stafford last year on the Pat McAfee show. That dude, what he does with the ball is impressive. It's really, really impressive. That dude is throwing crazy no-lookers all the time, and he can throw from any arm angle. That was after McAfee was giving Rodgers some, you know, just light-natured ribbing about, oh, Patrick Mahomes throwing these no-look passes. Have you ever uh, considered doing that yourself, Aaron? So I love those appearances all season long. But yeah, man, I just think when you look at kind of the main differences, 
is and what Stafford's been dealing with versus the uh, you know Rams ever since McVay's been there, it should just be so much easier for him. And we can kind of track a lot of these different metrics with our advanced PFF tools. But play action rate since 2017, the Rams are first, the Lions were 27th. Pressure rate, Rams 12th, Lions 15th. Screen rate, Rams 7th, Lions 14th. Drop rate, Rams 2nd, Lions 13th. Shift and motion rate, Rams 7th, Lions 27th. Targets to open or wide open receivers, Rams 4th, Lions 21st. All things that should help Stafford immensely in 2021. Takes us to our win total set at 10.5. One of, let's see, the 49ers and the 49ers are at 10.5. Seahawks are at 10. We had three teams in this division with double digit win totals. Andrew, how are you feeling about the Rams over under 10.5 wins? I'm going to go with the under on the 10.5. I, I think I just lean towards the 49ers and Seahawks a little bit more. So that's really how I feel about it. Again, it's not a knock on the Rams whatsoever, but. I do expect some defensive regression. They didn't necessarily replace uh, their nickel cornerback and their, one of their starting safeties from last year. So the defense is not in just by natural regression. Like the defense is not going to be as shut down as it was last year. It's just not going to happen. And again, they addressed that by adding in Stafford to make up the ground. But look, we saw Brady and the Bucks be an awesome offense with a brand new quarterback that didn't win their division last year because it took some time for things to gel. And maybe it takes some time, takes some time for things to gel with Matthew Stafford and all these new receivers, especially because is Stafford going to play in the preseason? Like, I know that he said that Henderson's not going to play, but it would make sense. Like, you have a brand new quarterback that hasn't played in this off. I don't know. That'll be kind of interesting to watch. I feel like McVay's always been notorious for like never just giving any respect to the preseason. So probably not. Yeah, and a slow start in that division certainly not going to do them any favors. I like the call. I would go slightly under as well. And there is a minus 125 lean on the under. I was just shocked today. I love looking at over the caps a positional spending table. They show every NFL team, you know, quarterback, running back, wide receiver, every position spending per year, but also just overall offense and defense. The only teams with fewer $2021 devoted to the defense than the Rams this year, the Browns. Browns, the Titans, and the Panthers. Like Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey, I get it. If you could only pay two guys in the entire league on defense, it is probably those two. And Brandon Sully does such a fantastic job, you know, not just putting Jalen Ramsey on an island with one guy. Like he used them in the slot, he used them in the box, used them all over the formation just to get the most out of them, expecting that to go just as great as it went last year. Again, I agree with you, it was a little bit wishful thinking. New quarterback could be a little bit, you know, at least maybe a year of learning a new system and all that. As much as I do think Stafford would be better in LA than, um, you know, he was in Detroit. Ten and a half, a little bit steep. And, uh, you know, what's looking like the toughest division in football, the more we uh, get through this episode. Before we keep on going, people, I want to give a quick shout out to some sponsors. We're going to take a quick break to pay some bills. And first off, I want to give a shout out to Fantrax. Fantrax is NFL Fantasy Football League Manager. is the most customizable, easy to use, and feature-rich platform in the entire industry. PFF is guaranteed to play our leagues on Fantrax's season. And one of my favorite features is you can basically customize the league exactly how you want so get those kickers get those defenses get them out of there play real fantasy football without those you know half breezes we like to call them here in the business and if you're coming from another site that is no problem fantrax can import any of your current leagues sign up and play now at fantrax.com pff and wait for it get a chance to win an autographed jersey from none other than josh allen fantrax.com pff home of fantasy sports go get you that josh allen jersey also if you like fantasy football and if you like playing fantasy for money 
money, you need to check out Underdog Fantasy. Underdog's got everything, including season-long and playoff best ball. Best ball is a season-long game where you draft a team like you normally do, but that's it. There's no in-season roster management. Underdog automatically selects your best performers each week, saving you loads of time. Go now, Underdog Fantasy, $10 using promo code PFF and get a free PFF Edge annual subscription. That's promo code PFF. I've had a couple people reach out and say, Ian, how can we support the PFF cause? And thank you very much for doing so. This is how. Go to Underdog Fantasy, promo code PFF, $10. Hell, you can turn the $10 into $100, a million dollars. I don't know. A lot of money <laughs> supporting the cause. We appreciate it. Draft now at Underdog Fantasy. Andrew, we have gone through half of the NFC West. Two more juggernauts to talk about. First up, the San Francisco 49ers. When is Trey Lance going to be under center? I wrote an article about it this morning trying to figure it out. And even after spending multiple hours on it, I'm not so sure I'm any closer to an answer. What's your guess? Well, Kyle Shanahan has come out today and said that there is no debate that Jimmy Garoppolo is a starter, yada, yada. And again, it goes back to the thing like, okay, so if he's the starter, the clear-cut starter, like, why do you keep telling us this? Like, why do you keep bringing <laughs> it up? Like, like you don't, you don't see Bruce Aarons coming out and be like, yep, Brady's starting week one. Like, that's what's happening. It's like, no, like, there's always going to be a shroud of doubt because you freaking traded up three first-round picks to get this guy. So... Yeah, I'm going to believe that Trey Lance is going to start at some point. And if we look at the history of rookie quarterbacks taken since 2010, only one quarterback has not played in their season. It took an MVP performance from Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love just not being good in general to keep him off the field. If you look at those quarterbacks drafted inside the top three selections since 2011, 13.7 games started as rookies. So it's going to be sooner rather than later that Trey Lance is in. And that's how you should look at this offense through the lens of Trey Lance. And again, it's going to be a run heavy offense, regardless of whether it's Garoppolo or whether it's Trey Lance under center, because the year prior in 2019, it was still a super heavy run offense, even with Jimmy Garoppolo at the forefront of the offense. So for me, look, I don't know. It depends on what type of roster you have, but I want to stash Trey Lance where I can because the system is just perfect for him to thrive in. Look, yards per attempt since 2017. Number one, Jimmy Garoppolo. Sixth overall is Nick Mullins. <laughs> so, like, people, it's it's what you want in a quarterback. He runs. He does it all. And it's just a matter of time before Kyle Shanahan is either forced because of a Garoppolo injury or just inefficient play that, hey, like, let's get the training was off this rookie. Let's put him in and let's see what this offense can do. Last three years, nobody has averaged more yards per attempt on passes, quote unquote, thrown behind the line of scrimmage than Jimmy G. Among 80 qualified quarterbacks since Jimmy G got to San Fran, tied for 70th in big time throw rate, tied for 74th in average target depth. Trey Lance can make these throws, and he's got a freaking bazooka for an arm where he can pretty much flick that thing 70 yards downfield. No questions asked. We got the rushing upside. We all know the Konami, Konami code element of things. Like, yeah, they sent three first-round picks for the guys. I just wish there was a clearer path to getting on the field if Jimmy G is indeed going to be out there because for all his faults, the guy's 24-9 and as a starter, including uh, the postseason since he got to San Fran. So looking at the schedule as we got, uh, you know, PFF Lily going bonkers for Trey Lance upstairs. Uh, Lions, Eagles, Packers, Seahawks, Cardinals, bye. Like, you know, those are some defenses that I think Jimmy G can certainly move the ball against. I think the earliest, like the hope, the earliest would be, you know, top three weeks. I know Shanahan was talking about, you know, Jimmy G being the starter. Offensive coordinator Mike McDaniel was saying a little bit earlier in the offseason that uh, Lance could be getting some reps sooner rather than later here with the first team. But, you know, I'm thinking 
Probably most likely gun to my head, I would say week seven at home against the Colts. I would hope, though, at a minimum, that stretch after the bye, Colts, Bears, Cardinals, Rams, that might be enough to knock Jimmy G off. And we just need to get to the end of the season, Andrew, because I've been telling people this. You know, I go meet random people on the street and I say, draft Kirk, draft, uh, you know, draft Trey Lance and then go draft Kirk Cousins because we can get through the first seven weeks with Kirk Cousins. The Vikings play the Bengals, the Cardinals, the Seahawks, the Browns, the Lions the Panthers and the Cowboys to start the season. So that's fantastic. And Trey Lance is going to take it home for us at the end. I mean, these final four weeks he has, and this is before week 18. So just fantasy playoffs. We got the Seahawks, the Bengals, the Falcons, the Titans, and the Texans final five games of the season. Sounds like a QB one to me and Trey Lance. Where do you have him ranked specifically? I just moved him up to QB 15. I understand if you're entering a projection competition, he's going to be lower because of the lack of games. Games, but more and more, man, I just want him on the squad. Yeah. So for me, that's, yeah, that's right. I have him right at QB 15. Great minds think alike. And yeah, again, it's factoring in the fact that he will not start the season, but that's why he's 15. Like he's not a top 12 quarterback. You shouldn't draft him as a starter, like hold, hold the phone, but he has this upside that's you're going to want on your team. No doubt. All right, man, let's go on and look at the most underutilized player who you got in one. So for me, it's going to be Brandon Ayuk, and it goes back to not his potential role on the offense, because I think that's kind of locked and loaded. He is the prototypical perimeter receiver on this offense. Like he's the one that's going to see the targets down the field. That's not Debo Samuel's role. That's not George Kittle's role. That's Brandon Ayuk's role. Again, he led the team in air yard share, deep target share and end zone target share last season. So I like that part of his game where he's seeing these high value touches again he was a monster last year when there was injuries third and expected fantasy points per game from weeks three through 15 only Tyreek Hill and Devonta Adams scored more fantasy points and again when you're in the conversation with those guys it's like you're elite but at the same time we can't just ignore the facts that Kittle didn't play and neither did Debo Samuels so I do have some concerns about the entire passing volume of this offense I've basically looked at when I looked at offenses that had rushed for 500 or more attempts in a season, kind of dating back to 2010, outside of one pass catcher on the offense, who would in this case would be George Kittle, we never really saw much production, even like wide receiver two production from the other receivers. So I do have concerns that either Ayuk or Debo Samuel may get it left out in the cold just because there's not enough volume to go around. So Ayuk, I do think though, can potentially overcome that because of the fact that he does see more targets downfield. He sees end zone targets. So, and I think, I mean, you've seen his tape, man. He's freaking, he's a monster. <laughs> like, Ayuk is a freaking monster. That's the thing, though, man. Ayuk is the monster, but he's doing so much better as a pure route runner. And that's great if Jimmy G or if Mac Jones was under center. I just think with Debo, like, he's probably the one that we have to worry less about them getting the ball in his hands. I mean, the amount of, you know, just like tap passes this dude gets on sweeps and just straight up jet sweeps. They even use him legit as a running back sometimes. He, Finished last year, I believe, or for a long time, he had more yards after the catch than he did receiving yards. Like, that's how unique his route tree is. Like, how they use Debo Samuel is how we should be praying Arizona uses Rondale more because it's just fantastic the way they get him the ball. So, Debo's the guy that I think they won't have a problem to getting the ball regardless. Maybe Ayuk is the one that is ultimately just the odd man out where he could be the number three pass game option. But if this is going to resemble Shanahan's, you know, RG3 season where they ranked 30th in total pass attempts, the number three pass game 
option in this offense could be around 75, 80 targets. It'd be a shame. I'm fine buying Ayuk long term. Worst case, it's, it's kind of like one year of Trey Lance being more of this run first, uh, you know, overwhelmingly run first, I should say. Quarterback, uh, just think right now that discrepancy between Ayuk and, uh, you know, Ayuk and Debo. And then I think DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson, those are the two main ones I've seen that's just like, I don't hate either guy, but they need to be closer. And because DJ and Ayuk are priced so much higher, I just haven't been getting much of them in fantasy land. And let's talk about these running backs. Who is your favorite fantasy value pick out of this group? I'm guessing there's not like a late round wide receiver or anything. No, there's yeah. well, my my favorite value actually just I'll hit on the running backs, but I just want to mention George Kittle because he's I've been seeing him go in like round three. Yeah. And I think that's just a screaming value for a guy that's first in yards per route run the past three seasons and basically had the same type of production from the pre year, previous year 15.6 fantasy points per game except he just got hurt so again yeah. don't forget about george kittle like i love darren waller i think waller should be ranked ahead of kittle but again waller second round george kittle in third round is you know there's a really good value in getting kittle an elite tight end that could match travis kelsey who is a first round pick so yeah. i think that's just something worth mentioning if he falls into the third round but for the running backs I think for best ball, I think you want Trey Sermon. And I think for regular leagues, you want Raheem Mostert. That's kind of like, it's kind of the way I'm handling it because there's no reason to think that Raheem Mostert's not going to be the starter come week one based on everything that the coaches are saying. And the fact that if he's healthy, he should be the running back one. But it's a matter of when he gets hurt or when Trey Sermon starts to eat more into his carries because we just want this backfield. You know, third in fantasy points scored last season. So for me, they're both going late enough where I don't feel like you're really overextending yourself to, okay, well, now I get Sermon, I'm going to have to wait on him a little bit. That's okay. Like, you don't necessarily need to draft either of these players to start your in your lineup week one, which I think it makes them very attractive at their prices. So the last three years, the top Shanahan fantasy scoring running back, Matt Breida, RB26, Raheem Mostert, RB26, Jeff Wilson, RB31. All three times we had just multiple injuries conflicting this. Guys were in and out of the lineup. They were committees more often than not. The three years before that, we had Devontae Freeman rip off RB1 and RB6 performances, and Carlos Hyde had a random RB8 year in there. Fast forward to 2021, Trey Sermon on Underdog Fantasy is going as the RB26. Mostert's going as the RB30. They're being priced and like the worst case scenario, man. So yeah, if you find yourself loading up on the wide receivers early, these are the exact type of guys you should be trying to prioritize in this range because we're going to want you know, Shanahan running backs, whoever they're going to be. Like Jeff Wilson was someone we wanted before he got hurt. Even Wayne Gallman at the back end of drafts, I think makes a lot of sense. And, you know, like uh, right alongside your Adrian Peterson, uh, 20th round pick. You can take Wayne Gallman in round 19 before <laughs> no, you get. No, I love Wayne. Wayne Gallman, man. RB10, week 7 through 13 last year. <laughs> Look, man, he was the touchdown vulture for the Giants last year. And that's what Jeff Wilson did. If, if Shanahan's like, hey, Gallman. Goldman stands for goal line back. Like that's my guy. <laughs> and that was the, hey, that's kind of the principle we've had in some of these crowded, you know, Patriots backfields. When in doubt, draft the cheapest guy. Wayne Goldman is the cheapest guy. But yeah, I don't think you can go really wrong with any of these running backs. With Trey Lance, you know, we don't have the same Mac Jones ceiling because Lance is going to, you know, bring up these familiar problems we talk about a lot with dual threat quarterbacks. But again, we don't have to draft them as even an RB2 as it is. It's not like you're going to be, you know, just bemoaning the fact you took most of sermon, you know, in round seven or eight when the season's all said and done uh, i'm happy you talked about george kittle because that is my wild card scenario that kittle just goes absolutely bonkers this year only played eight games last year his 16 game pace was 96 catches 1268 yards and four touchdowns only Devonte adams averaged more yards per route run i mean that game when he came back against the eagles and had like 15 catches on 16 targets or whatever the hell it was like i have not seen a tight end you know other than travis kelsey just dominate that way in the passing game really in quite some time all due respect to darren waller but 
I do think uh, Kittle, when healthy, is the best tight end in the game, both fantasy and all around. We just unfortunately haven't gotten to see it. So, yeah, he has way more questions under center than Kelsey, than Waller. He should be the tight end three, but it is still a big three. It is not a big two and then Kittle. It is a big three, and you should be happy to get any of those guys by the time your first three rounds are over. You got a wild card scenario on tap, Andrew? It's just, you know, Swain Goldman taking over the backfield. Yep. Like, that, <laughs> like that. That's the thing. Because, like, when he first got there, they're like, yeah, he's the RB2. And no one just seems to care. And yep. I just, I see myself the only, if I don't draft Wayne Goldman in best ball, then no one does. It's it's just me and me against the field. So <laughs> That is the thing, man. Because when Wilson got hurt, like, they said he was the RB2. It was in an athletic article. I'm trying to pull it up right yeah. now. I mean, I know we all love Trey Sermon. I love Trey Sermon, too. But, yeah, okay, here we go. 49ers, of course, bulked up at this position during the draft because they've lost so many tailbacks to injuries in recent seasons. Wilson had been penciled in as the number two runner behind Raheem Mostert. For now, veteran Wayne Gallman is in that spot with rookies Trey Sermon and Elijah Mitchell, as well as last year's undrafted rookie Jermichael Hasty moving up a notch. Like, I'm not, we're not saying draft Wayne Gallman ahead of Trey Sermon, but when Sermon's going, like, out, I'm, excuse me, when Gallman's going outside the top 60, I mean, that's just the easiest of lottery tickets, people. 2021, don't take Chris Herndon round 15, take Wayne Gallman instead. Yes. <laughs> over under another double digit one 10 and a half wins minus 125 lean on the under what do you got andrew i'm going on the over here because Ooh. this is a super bowl roster it's like basically very similar to the roster that went to the super bowl the big issue was last year that their quarterback got hurt now if their quarterback got hurt then they might actually be better so that's why i'm not too worried about them again they were so injury plagued last year two games the entire season last year where they had their quarterback one tight end one wide receiver one and wide receiver two play in the same game and yeah so for me in the, in both those games that they had like their full allotment of players they beat the rams and they destroyed the patriots so yeah. i think that they're going to bounce back as long as they just they just need the injury luck to like not destroy them because that's basically what kind of did them in a season ago. I think we're going to get a lot of nine and eight teams in this division. I'm going to take the under <laughs> slightly. I do think Kyle Shanahan, and you kind of mentioned this with McVay, how they just, these NFL coaches sometimes get idolized maybe a little bit too much. Obviously, Kyle Shanahan is a fantastic play caller. We just haven't seen him consistently enable top 10 offense. It's actually only happened that he's finished inside the top 20 three times, people, since 2010. He had the RG3 offense, fourth-ranked scoring offense in 2012. He had the 2016 Falcons offense in the Super Bowl run. They were number one scoring offense. In 2019, they were number two. I understand they haven't had, you know, consistent diet of these great quarterbacks over time, but I don't think it's a guarantee the 2021 version of Jimmy G or the rookie year version of Trey Lance is necessarily going to be this real high-end signal caller from day one. So that I think they're just getting a little too much benefit of the doubt on offense. Now, the way they can get this back, man, is if Nick Bosa just comes back as the world beater he was as a rookie. I know people, you know, have their opinions about the Bosa family and all that, but you cannot deny what they've done as pass rushers. Since 2010, the most pressures by a rookie and just in, in their rookie season, Joey Bosa at 59, Carl Lawson at 59, Von Miller at 60, Alden Smith at 64, Nick Bosa at 80. Man, Chase, oh Chase Young had 39. As good as Chase Young was last year, Chase Young had 39 pressures as a rookie. Nick Bosa doubled that, man. And, like, look, they were both on defensive lines loaded with other talent. Like, you can't even just say Nick Bosa is benefiting from Buckner and Armstead and all these other guys he was getting the chance to play with. It helped. But, I mean, Nick Bosa was the star of that show. And if he can come back and, you know, be the defensive MVP type player he looked like he could be as a rookie, I think that's going to be how they just seize this division and get that 
over. Andrew Reese, our final team, Seattle Seahawks, defining question, will Russ cook or not? It's, 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 it pains me to answer this question because I, I don't think we're going to necessarily see the weeks one through 11 that we saw at the beginning of last year. I, I don't think that's reality. I think that exists in his range of outcomes potentially, but when they brought in Shane Waldron, you know, he's coming from the Rams offense. That wasn't this super pass heavy offense. Like, the Rams have run the ball efficiently over the past couple seasons with McVay and when Shane Waldron has also been involved. So if he stems from the McVay tree, like he's going to get the running backs and the run game involved. You know, Seattle last year was 28th in rushing attempts per game. Again, part of that was because Chris Carson got hurt, but part of it was because they were really leaning on the pass and they really weren't balanced whatsoever. And teams eventually kind of figure them out. So again, I do think this office is going to be more balanced than it was last year, but at the same time, it doesn't mean that, oh no, like they're not going to let Russ cook. Like he's going to be bad. Like that's not the case whatsoever. Like this offense is still going to run really fast. They're talking about up tempo. Russell Wilson, number one passer rating from the no huddle in 2020. So there you go. Like right there, like, and the Rams offense was also second in overall plays per game under McVay with Shane Waldron also involved. So again, just because they're not passing as much, like the whole pie of the offense, the whole volume is just going to be increased with Shane Waldron calling the shot. So it's always been Russell Wilson has never been a player that's needed to the volume because he's been efficient. And why would that change? Like he still has Metcalf. He still has Tyler Lockett. And he's just a baller when it comes to throwing in the end zone and throwing downfield. PFF's highest graded quarterback in both categories since 2019. And that's all you need. Like, that's all you need. You don't necessarily need him to be throwing 50 times per game because that's when you run into issues. So for me, I still want to be on Russ. And yes, I think he's still going to be super productive in 2021. Maybe just not to the level that we saw last year where, I mean, look, he was going to regress at some point. Like, it's really hard to average like 30 fantasy points per game for an entire season. So again, maybe not as high as that. But again, the poor defense hasn't really improved. So there are going to be games where they're going to have to unleash Russell Wilson and those are the games you start him in DFS. The one good thing about Russ last year, I mean, obviously, other than the spectacular first half he had, we got back to seeing him run the ball more. I mean, that was actually something that was missing from him the previous two seasons. I mean, Russ, his third year in the league averaged 53 rushing yards per game, but he was regularly over 30. We saw him dip below that, just 23 in 2018, just 21 2019. Got back up to 32 last year, 513 overall rushing yards on the season. To me, he is the easy QB6. Not quite in that first year. He has that in his range of outcomes. We saw you know the highest end of his range of outcomes as you said in that first half but overall this is a locked and loaded QB1 that we've seen each and every year of his career with the only exception being 2016 fell off all the way to QB14 even on a per game basis he's been a top 12 guy in all but two seasons during his career so the floor has basically always been the roof for Russell Wilson at least in fantasy land and I'm just not really convinced his defense has what it takes for them to not just have him throw the ball to his heart's desire like we did see in that second half like one of the problems was they did run the ball more often they played more of a ball control style russ was not hitting his throws the same way like it's not just was not just a volume issue by any stretch but truly they ranked 28th in points per game allowed before facing the following quarterbacks in their final six games dwayne haskins carson wentz jared goff cj bethard sam darnold and colt mccoy like that's not going to happen in this division we've just spent an almost an hour already talking about how good all these offenses are that is not going to be the case in 2021 so it sounds like with waldron that 
they're not against, you know, running more tempo and passing to begin with, which is good because I remember the, you know, January press conference where Pete Carroll was just saying like they wanted to run the ball more than ever. They got rid of Schottenheimer so they could run the ball more. It was terrifying for a second. It doesn't seem like that's going to be the case. And even if it is, man, don't think the defense can necessarily hold up their end of the bargain when it comes to trying to establish a positive game script. Now, Andrew, who do you have tabbed as the Seahawks most underutilized player? Well, I mean, I'm still going to talk about Russell Wilson because yeah. I do think that it would be ideal for him to to cook to his heart's desire as the chef in Seattle. And I just think one more point about Russell Wilson during that stretch where he ran into trouble. I think they played the Rams three times. Yeah. And who did they just get? Oh, yeah. The guy who spent his entire <laughs> like NFL career with the freaking Rams. Like there's a reason why. Shane Waldron was kind of the perfect guy for like, hey, who's the team? Who's the defense that's like giving us the most trouble seemingly every single year? And again, like the splits with Russell Wilson against the Rams are like really bad. Like I think like historically he's been really bad against the Rams and the Rams have had a good defense. So give them credit. But no one was throwing or doing anything against the Rams last season. So I think that's one thing to kind of point out about Russell Wilson in, in the offense that that's a reason why they could potentially be better, especially against matchups against the Rams and other matchups against these NFC West teams. But yeah, I think that. So with Russell Wilson, so you said you have him ranked sixth. So you means you have him above Justin Herbert. Yeah, I think with Herbert, we're going to see him, you know, still put up good numbers. I have him QB seven. They're right in that same tier. I would say, though, man, like something's got to give a little bit with how good he was under pressure. And, you know, the more uh, the more I love checking out, you know, like Seth Galena and some of our, you know, just non fantasy analysts over here at PFF. One thing they talk about a lot are those, you know, stable metrics and pressure is not one of them. So Herbert, man, he is fun watching him roll out of the pocket and, you know, just throw a dime 40 yards downfield. Russell Wilson has been doing that his entire career. I'm just a little more optimistic in his chance of being a little bit better in these more unstable areas yeah that's those are two so i had russell wilson like earlier on at six and then i had herbert seven and then they upgraded the offensive line and i was like giving the edge to herbert because of the offensive line upgrades instead of russ's because yeah. the seahawks offensive line is still kind of wishwashy but then like wilson has the the pedigree and it's like if one of these guys is going to bust it's probably not going to be yeah. wilson like it would probably be herbert so i think i'm going to lean to back to switching been putting Russell Wilson at six instead of seven. Yeah, and that's it wasn't like Russell Wilson's like had a just breakout last year that we had never seen before. Like, okay, yeah. his first half stretch was maybe like the most prolific we have seen him. But again, this dude has always been almost always been a top 10 fantasy quarterback as it is. Credit to Herbert for getting that one year. Still is a ways to go to have that same consistency we feel with Russ. Andrew, favorite fantasy value pick. Why is it Dwayne Eskridge? It's not Dwayne Eskridge. It's Tyler Tyler Lockett. It's Tyler Lockett. He's going outside the top 20 wide receivers despite the fact that he's never finished worse than a top 20 wide receiver the past three seasons because in Wilson's streakiness that he's done over the past three years, in 2018, it was the beginning of the year, and the past two seasons it's been at or at the 2018, it was at the end of the year, 2019 beginning, 2020 beginning of the year. That's what's kind of boosted Lockett's numbers. But Lockett had the same target share as DK Metcalf last year, 25%. And Lockett scored more expected fantasy points per game than DK Metcalf did. So like the opportunity that they're both getting in this offense is pretty similar. Again, Metcalf gets more deep targets. And again, also Metcalf is not human. So yes, this is not me saying, oh yeah, Lockett's better than Metcalf. I was like, no, like that is not what I'm saying whatsoever because Metcalf could just come out and be Calvin Johnson. Like that's totally in his range of outcomes next season but Lockett is like wide receiver 20 like he's been a top 13 guy past two seasons in PPR and we saw him be the wide receiver three overall through 11 weeks so I think that people are too concerned about the fall off when 
part of the fall off may have also been involving Lockett getting banged up at the end of the seasons the past two years. You know, 2019, remember he had that really scary leg injury that he had to like stay over uh, in the hospital wherever they were playing. And he got banged up a little bit at the end of this season. So I think Lockett is just a locked and loaded wide receiver two with, with wide receiver one upside. And that's what he's shown the past two seasons. Banged up, plays through it anyway, hasn't missed a single game since the year 2016. Basically just had, you know, the quote-unquote worst 100-catch, 1,000-yard, 10-touchdown season. They paid him. He got paid. Oh, my gosh. It's just, you know, the pro— Yeah, exactly, man. April 2nd, 2021, four-year extension, $69 million, people. He's gone absolutely nowhere. Yeah, it's like he might not see 132 targets again, but if there's anybody we know can make the most out of 100 or 120, we know it's Lockett. We've been seeing him do this for a while. The dude scored 10 touchdowns on 70 targets in 2018. Don't let, you know, again, some underwhelming performances just get in the way of the reality of how good he can be when everything goes right. Yeah, I'm with all, you there. All wide receivers, like, like, like if you want to really look at how often wide receivers bust, go to PFF.com, fantasy <laughs> finishes, click on the wide receiver tab, and you will see every receiver busts. Like, Devontae Adams has a wide receiver 48 finish in there somewhere from last year. Like, it's really the running backs are the ones that are the ones that are most consistent because they get the touches, but receivers are always going to be dependent on the quarterback and the game flow. Like it's all important. So don't hold it against Lockett. And just because he was super volatile last year doesn't mean he's going to do it again this year. Like he was, it was like an outlier of how like up and down his production was like, it's probably not going to be repeated. So don't hold that against Lockett. Yeah. And just real quick on Eskridge. He is going so freaking late in drafts. I'm looking at him right now. ADP as the 190th player off the board. So you can get him again in that round 15 or later phase. We'll just say, people, 56th overall pick. He's old at 24, but you know what? So is Calvin Ridley. Like, it's not the end of the world. And when the Seahawks seemingly don't care and they're slotting him in to be what David Moore was last year, which only 47 targets. But more importantly, David Moore was always one injury to either starting receiver away from being Russell Wilson's top two receiver. It seems like Eskridge is slotting to be that guy here ahead of 2021 so you know i wouldn't even blame any any of you for not drafting eskridge but i would just say keep an eye on him if he wins that number three receiver job because then he's only one uh injury away and as we've seen you know it's rare but we do have situations tim patrick scotty miller maybe one day my guy auden tate there are a handful of these you know backup wide receivers around the league that you know they're in a good enough offense where if an injury strikes we could actually expect them to take their newfound target share do something good with it I think Eskridge could uh, turn that up if, again if he can win that wide receiver three job. Andrew, what's our wild card scenario here? Does it have to do with Chris Carson? Does not. No, Chris Carson's locked and loaded. We don't need to. He's locked and loaded. That's fair. wild card is is Gerald Everett yeah. is a legit breakout tight end in 2021. Again, I did the breakout tight end series last year for PFF. I did not do it this year because all the tight ends busted and I just couldn't force myself to rewrite all the articles again. But <laughs> I, I really like Gerald Everett in this spot. Again, you talked about Dwayne Eskridge operating underneath. He's a yak receiver. And that's the same thing with Gerald Everett. The biggest problem with the Seahawks last year, defenses started playing the two deep safety. Look, they were trying to go deep, didn't work. They didn't have any guys to run underneath. Like David Moore was not a yak guy. Like he was still like another vertical wide receiver. And they're like, Oh God, like we have no one. We have, like these Greg Olson tight end and Freddie Swain, and they didn't have the right players. So getting Eskridge, yak receiver, Gerald Everett, number one force miss tackle rate among all tight ends since 2018. Ooh. So these are the guys that are going to operate underneath and just feast on certain defenses and certain matchups when teams are protecting against the vertical game. So that's why I really like Everett in the spot. Again, you have the Shane Waldron connection. He knows the offense. So I think that Everett, 
if any chance of a tight end to break out, he's going late enough. Again, we lost Adam Troutman, RIP, the, <laughs> the late round sleeper tight end, because he's going to be, you know, a top 12 guy across the board because of the Michael Thomas injury. So we need to find somebody else. I think Gerald Everett can potentially be that guy. I think that especially with the use of play action, again, referencing back to Tyler Higby during that elite stretch of production he had at the end of 2019. 63% of those yards came off play action. So when Waldron is using play action, I think it's going to be set up for the tight ends underneath while he's giving the receivers vertical looks down the field. So for me, I think Everett's kind of like emerging is probably one of my favorite late round tight ends. And we've seen Russell Wilson put up decent numbers with Greg Disley for a small period of time. Jimmy Graham caught double digit touchdowns. So I think I really like Everett this year. Yeah, and last year, people, the Seahawks were using three tight ends consistently, Jacob Hollister, Greg Olson, and Will Disley, combined for 106 targets. Now, none of them had more than 40 individually, and that's going to be a nightmare if that happens with Everett as part of that group. But that's the ceiling. Like, Russell Wilson, just like, you know, Ryan Tannehill and uh, just like Deshaun Watson, I think, really does like throwing their tight ends, and we see big production come to tight ends. The problem is we have just seen committees in those offenses, but if we can take away that committee, put in a talented player like Everett, yeah, I could certainly see good things happening and yeah people chris carson if he doesn't get hurt he's gonna have well over 300 touches be a great value i understand like he is one of these guys where we do have to consider you know the potential for him to get hurt a little more than others because of how kind of consistently it's been his running style but he's back in the one offense that we know wants to feed him and they have not shown any signs of you know bringing on anyone if anything the fact that rashad penny does not seem to be 100 percent healthy is just even more good news for carson being the featured workhorse andrew the over-under is set at 10 wins not 10 and a half, just 10, slight minus 120 lean on the under. What do you got? I'm going with the over because I like to bet on future Hall of Fame quarterbacks. So for me, it's that, and that, that, that was really the push. It was like, look, the other two teams are 10 and a half. They're 10 and I, they have Russell Wilson. So with all things being even, I'm going to take Russell Wilson. Can you name Russell Wilson's worst win-loss record in his career? I don't think he's ever lost more than nine games, right? Nine and seven in 2017. Yeah. Worst year for Russ. Happened to lead the NFL in touchdown passes <laughs> in that year. It's the same thing with Tom Brady, man. Uh, I always thought that Brady, like in 2002, I just had it in my mind. Yeah, that it was like, I was like, it was like I, 28 touchdowns. And yeah, the league. which is, you know, hilarious. That's a part of the time, 28 <laughs> touchdowns leading the league. But yeah, and Brady's only season where, you know, other than obviously the injury uh, shortened affair in 2008, Brady's only season as a full-time starter. He doesn't win 10 games. He wins nine, leads the league in touchdown passes. Same thing with russell wilson give me the over as well all right andrew let's just go on to the division winner we were doing the mvps and basically just listing uh you know the guys with the highest adp not that there's anything wrong with that it was just uh, kind of a silly exercise division winner la rams are plus 190 49ers are plus 190 seahawks plus 275 cardinals plus 600 what odds do you like best and why give me seattle because I can get the Hall of Fame quarterback that I want and I can win the most money by putting them that instead of the 49ers or Rams. Because again, these teams are going to like cannibalize each other to an extent because they all have to play each other. And Seattle's biggest issue has been the Rams. And like we kind of talked about, they've kind of gone out and addressed specifically making sure they can now beat the Rams. Because, you know, it was that one game, I think the 49ers, just, it was the Debo Samuel game where he had like 150 yards and it was all like yak. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like, oh, like this is how you beat the Rams. Like you don't actually throw at their cornerbacks. So you just <laughs> hand it off to their wide receiver running backs. And that's how you score. I mean, because everyone was like, can't start Debo this week. It made sense. Like, why would you? And then it's like, oh, sick. Well, Debo just turned into a running back and <laughs> Jalen Ramsey can't cover running backs, apparently. 
Best quarterback in the division is Russell Wilson. We can feel pretty confident the best offense in the division is going to be the Seahawks. The year is 2021. Offense wins football games. Give me the Seahawks plus 275 nice. as well. Andrew, people, before we get out of here, I have one more ad to read. I got to need to thank our friends over at Manscaped as I try to find this freaking ad in my 20 million tabs I have up, I have up at the moment. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped just launched their fourth-generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with, with the code PFF at manscaped.com. Manscaped engineered the ultimate groin and body trimmer by focusing on intelligent functionality and an incredibly comfortable grooming experience. Their fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. I now feel confident shaving my boys. This reminds me of like that Wolf of Wall Street uh, scene when he's like talking up the you know garage and he's like they have cutting edge laser technology just set for the patent to come in but Manscaped actually pulled it off they are not lying and then I mentioned wireless charging the new wireless charging system uses electromagnetic induction you hear that people electromagnetic induction my goodness which can help battery length last longer again get 20% off and free shipping with the code PFF at manscaped.com that's 20% off with free shipping manscaped.com and use code PFF, unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Andrew, we have concluded our third team preview pod, NFC South, AFC South, NFC West. We will be back later this week with the AFC West. What do you got on the docket over at PFF.com in the meantime? Doing more of the team previews, doing the NFC East right now. I'm going to start the AFC East next week because I'm going to be making my way over to Gillette Stadium. I'm going to try to see what this Patriots quarterback controversy is all about. Maybe figure out Damian Harris is going to get involved in the passing game, this tight end debacle. Again, Ian, I remember seeing a tweet. Do you have a dynasty team with both Hunter Henry and Jonah Smith on it? I do. You're now in the club, right? (laughs) Yes, I'm in the club and I don't know if I like it or not, but... We'll see how it goes. But yeah, going to check out Patriots training camp and hopefully I'll end up doing a write-up coming out on the site next week. So hopefully we'll get some nuggets from what I take away from camp. I mean, when you have legit top 10 tight ends going outside the top like 15, it's like, I guess, I guess, Andrew. I mean, one of them is going to be like featured. Like if you think about it, if, if Hunter Henry or Johnny Smith had just been like labeled as like a quote unquote, like wide receiver, we would all be fine drafting the the tight end designation player as a top five, six, seven, eight guy. But because they're both tight ends, it's kind of like caused this like, well, like technically we can't see like two tight ends leading the team in targets. But I mean, look, Jacoby Myers, I think he's a great value, but at the same time, dude, the guy didn't have no one to compete with for targets last year. Like that's why he got all the targets. And now Aguilar, Smith, Henry, they could all out-target him next year. So, And maybe, just maybe, you said wide receiver. Johnny Smith can play running back, Andrew. And you know, you used to also play running back for Bill Belichick. He who should not be named. That's who. All right, everybody. He's Andrew Erickson. I'm Ian Hardis. This has been the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. Thank you, as always, for listening. And until next time, take care, everybody. 